In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. I just don't know why anyone would ever want to do life in isolation when there's so many beneficial benefits to being in a mastermind or a peer advisory group. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, the host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide today to help you become your best version. We're excited for this journey today, guys. We're helping you thrive in the stress bubble of life, that period of time where you're raising your kids, loving your wife, and we want to help you continue way, way, way beyond that. So I'm really excited about this guest today, guys, because he is passionate about an area that I think is one of those deep-seated needs that every man has, but is unwilling to talk about. We're going to tell you what that is in a little bit, but man, you want to tune in for this show. I think it's going to really help you to unpack what that need is and help you to find success on that journey. But before we do that, we're going to get into our man laws and our man laws again are supplied by you, our heroes. We will send you some swag when you hit us up at info at menandarena.org with your physical address. This week's man law comes from Robert Michael. Robert wrote a great one. He said this, if I have to open it for you, I get to taste it first. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Robert, man. Hey, hit us up. We'll take care of you, man. And I also want to read to you our hero story. Hero, hero story this week comes from Brett in Wyoming. He had a real lengthy uh, letter. He actually mailed the letter in. It was a beautiful letter, but I'm going to encapsulate it in these words. He said, words can't do justice how much I appreciate the Men and Rita podcast. Recently, I was faced with a difficult decision whether to accept a new job or not. To accept the job, I would have been pursuing my lifetime dream of practicing veterinary medicine in my hometown. But to accept the job, I'd have to be turning down my wife's dream of getting to stay at home with the kiddos for a year. Thanks to God's word and encouragement of manly wisdom from men in the arena, I know I have made the right decision. Thank you for your good work. Man, Brett, thank you, man. You're a hero, buddy. So thanks so much. Guys, hit us up with your hero stories. We promise we'll, uh, if we use it, we want to uh, acknowledge you publicly and just say thank you because, guys, you are the hero in this story. We're the guides helping you to get there. Hey, guys, thanks for making 
the Men in the Arena podcast, Spotify's number one podcast in the world for Christian men. Guys, you're going to have a great time today with our guest, Aaron Walker. Aaron, his mission is to transform the lives of men by uncovering what they truly want in life and setting their goals to achieve success and significance on their journey. He is a serial entrepreneur with 14 businesses started in the 43 years he's lived in his community of Nashville, Tennessee, with his beautiful wife of 42 years, Robin. Aaron's also the founder of View from the Top and a mastermind group, Iron Sharpens Iron. We're here today to talk about those things. Aaron, it's great to have you on the show, man. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this, and I just want you to know what an honor it is to be with you today. So thank you for having well, me. Well, goes both ways, man. Hey, before we get into the questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, uh, significant markers along the way, and what led you to living this life of great significance? Yeah, well, thank you. I'll try not to make too much interview about me. I will really want to make it about your audience and how we can maybe help them. But for context sake, I'll just tell you, you've already said it in the bio. I've been in Nashville 62 years now. I love it wow. in Nashville. And you know, what's funny is, is everybody loves Nashville and everybody's moving here. It's made my commute to Starbucks a little bit longer, but <laughs> Hey, I love the growth. I love all the people moving in new perspectives, new ideas. Uh, I, I love the growth quite honestly, it's been really fun. Uh, grew up in a really poor household, great mm -hmm. parents. Uh, my mom loved God and raised us in a great environment, but my dad just wasn't a good businessman. And, uh, I decided early on in my career that I was going to do some things differently. So went to summer school and night school for a couple of years, was able to graduate high school early, started my first business when I was 18, mm. found a couple of guys that had plenty of money because I was broker than a convict. I didn't have any <laughs> money and I needed somebody to partner with me. So we did. And I'm just telling you, man, God honored that effort like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, two weeks out of high school, I get married to Robin. And I said, Robin, we may never have this chance again. Let's don't butcher it. And so we started paying all the money in the business back on the business. We paid a $150,000 10-year loan off in 36 months. Whoa. And I was 22 with a paid-for business. And I said, you know, I think I can do this again. And I replicated that numbers of times until a Fortune 500 bought me out when I was 27. Well, I thought, man, I have arrived. I'm like broke. And now in nine years, I can retire. Until I became very bored. Uh, getting in the bed in the middle of the day, I gained 50 pounds. My wife came wow. up to me one day and she said, Hey, this is not what I signed up for. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. I play golf every day. I fish every day. And a lot of the listeners are going, man, I'd love to do that. Well, you would for about 18 months, about yep, the same yep. length of time as me. And it didn't have any purpose. And so I went back, bought the store that I started with when I was 13 years old and we grew it four times the size had the resources and the experience to do that. And then Jim, my life changed forever. August 1st, 2001, I was headed to the office and things were incredible. Big house place on the beach. You know, we had all the tangible possessions until a guy named Enrique was crossing the street in front of me to catch a local bus and didn't look my way. And I ran over and killed him that day. Oh and, man. Uh, I want to tell you, man, what a pivotal moment in my life. Oh. And so I won't take you through all the gory, gruesome details of that, but decided to sell the business that I presently owned at that time 
told my partner I've been chasing money my whole life and uh, I'm going to take a break. And I took the next five years off. I didn't do anything for about mm. five years. We built a new house. Uh, I was thankful that I had the resources to be able to travel a little bit, hired professional help to work me through that difficult time. And here's what I learned in that process. And then we'll fast forward. I'll give you the rest of the story in a minute. But I started thinking back on my personal life and I said, what had happened if I had been killed that day? And then I started thinking about legacy and I said, mm. what would my legacy have been? And I felt so guilty. I said, you know, here's my legacy. It would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. And it hit me, man, like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, that is not what I want my legacy to be. Like I want Jim Ramos's life to be better as a result of having interacted with me. Mm. I want to be able to encourage and edify and lift up because no one cares that we've got a few tangible assets, but my family. And I said, I want to make a difference. And I said, God, if you'll give me another chance, I'll do it differently. So mm. I started focusing outward, being a giver instead of a taker. And I said, listen, if you'll just give me the chance to breathe life into other guys and do these things, I promise you, I'll do my very best to give. So I've been on a mission now for over 20 years to help other people achieve and their goals and successes. So 12 years ago, when I turned 50, uh, I went to my mastermind group. Um, it's a group that I'd been in for decades and they encouraged me to start coaching and teaching. And I said, I don't want any part of that. Dave Ramsey was one of the members of the group. He started this group decades ago and he, we were called the Eagles. And he said, Hey, big A, he said, if you'll come do entree leadership, I'll give you the course. If you'll just come and do it, see if you like it. So I didn't want to go, but I did. And I went and Jim, I'm going to tell you, I fell in love with it. I was like, man, this is me. A couple of guys there introduced themselves to me and I started coaching them. And, uh, the rest is history. Started doing a few podcast interviews. Uh, John Lee Dumas invited me on entrepreneur on fire. And he said, Hey man, you need to tell your story. And I did and started a mastermind group, went to Robin. And I said, Robin, these people keep coming. Like I, what am I going to do with these people? And she goes, Oh, here we go again. And I said, no, I've got to do something. So continue to open mastermind groups up. And now fast forward here we are in 2022, 15 mastermind groups. We're in five different countries around the world. And God just keeps sending us amazing entrepreneurs. And we just keep helping them level up in every area of their life. Well, that's, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership. You can tell them you, you heard this from me. Uh, okay. That was a significant book that when we launched men in the arena, that was one of my significant books, uh, before we launched uh, the ministry in 2012. Mm, and so his, mm. you know, beyond all the great things he does for the church with finances, sure. that book really was a game changer sure. for me. So, uh, that was really good. So mm, I'll, for be, our, I'll tell him, I'll yeah, be sure and tell him. I'll appreciate reach that. Out. And you know, what's, uh, interesting though, you'll like this story just because you recognize the name, but, uh, back in 1993, uh, I went to a chamber of commerce breakfast and they had a guest speaker there and it was Dave and he was just starting his radio show here in Nashville. And it piqued my interest and went up and introduced myself to him and uh, invited him down to see my store. And he said, this is just exactly the kind of store I want to advertise on my show. Would you advertise on my show? And I said, no, I, nobody's ever even heard of you. I don't even know who you are. I don't even know what your show's about. 
And he told me what the show was about. And he said, I'll give you a week free if you'll try me. And I said, okay. So I tried him and Jim, listen, three days in people were marching in my store. They were buying things. And I called him and I said, these people have drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know what it is that you're serving up, but like, I want to advertise more with you. And he said, well, if you continue going forward, you have to sign an annual contract. I said, listen, I didn't know you three days ago. Now you're wanting me to sign an annual contract. He said, I can produce results. So I signed an annual contract and I sponsored his show for 21 consecutive years. And oh, I wow. said, Hey, best money I've ever spent. And as a result of that, we built a friendship from the very beginning and Dave's mastermind, uh, Dan Miller was in there, Ron Doyle, uh, Ken Abraham, Jeff Mosley, some of those names may or may not ring a bell. And I'm not telling you those things to, uh, name drop. I'm telling you those things because that mastermind group changed my life. They walked with me through every phase of my life during very troubled times, during the accident, they walked with me through everything and I'll never not be in a group because God created us to be in community mm -hmm. yeah. because isolation is the enemy of excellence. And if we really, really want to take our lives to the next level, we have to get competent, capable people around us to help us take our life to the next level. And that's yeah, what that's that taught good, me. So I'm I forever indebted more. to those guys. Yeah. That, really so, me. okay. Curious. What store did you own that sponsored his show? Have I heard of it? Yeah. I own Barry's. Yeah. I own Barry's pawn shop, very high end pawn shop in Nashville. I sold okay. out to cash America. They're a fortune 500. And, uh, I started that first store when I was 18. Then I bought a number of stores in Nashville wow. and then ended up selling to cash America. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So for our listeners, sure. can you explain to our listeners what a mastermind, cause we're going to talk about this throughout. Yeah. What is a mastermind group? Okay. What is its purpose? How does a guy get involved? Another mm -hmm. <laughs> funny story, you know, I'm full of stories. Uh, my wife says I'm full of a lot of things, but I'm yeah. full of stories. And so I'll share this. So, so I was at uh, a concert at a curb center in Nashville, listening to mercy me. And, uh, I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but Dave was sitting two or three rolls in front of me and he got up during intermission and he walked back and saw me there. And he said, Hey, he said, well, I want to talk to you about something. I said, okay. He said, I want you to join my mastermind group that I'm starting in my office. And I said, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. And he said, just come to my office Wednesday at seven o'clock. I'll introduce you to the guys I've invited. So I went home and I told Robin, I said, Robin, like, you know, we've been friends with Dave and Sharon, you know, years prior to that, because I've been his sponsor. And I said, Dave wants me to join this thing called a mastermind. And he explained to me briefly what it is, but I don't want to go. And she said, why don't you want to go? I said, well, he's going to know that we have real estate debt and he's going to know that we don't do things exactly, you know, like his show is prescribing <laughs> and you know how Dave is. He's going to be all up in my face and he's going to be asking me these hard questions. And she said, well, just go and check it out. So I went week after week, month after month. And about the third month in the guys got really relaxed. They started really sharing about their families, trials they were facing in their business and situations with their kids. And I came home and I was all excited. And she goes, what are you so excited about? I said, they're more screwed up than I am. And I said, yeah. I have found my people. <laughs> and awesome. she said, uh, man, I'm glad you've got a safe place to go. So it, it allows you to let your veil down that facade that all men carry because we all want everybody to think we got it together. The truth is we're all knuckleheads, right? There's some area of our life that we don't have it all together. 
And so when you get into a safe environment, we'll call it board of directors, peer advisory group, mastermind, call it whatever you want. But let's just say you're in a group of people. There's 10 people. And in this group, you agree to be vulnerable and transparent. Boy, those are two words that are scary to men. They're like, man, if I get in there, they'll think I'm a sissy and I don't have it all together. You see, there's nothing further from the truth I've learned over these past two decades because real strength begins at the intersection of vulnerability and transparency. Mm -hmm. And when you can get to that spot, then we can build on a solid foundation. Until then, it's like the scripture says, it's all shifting sand, right? And that's what it is. So you're able to come in and highlight your situation, whether it be marriage, personal, professional, spiritual, physical, whatever complication, whatever area that you're most troubled in, you're able to share. Well, when you have other people around you that's had different life experiences, because we all only have one life experience. We only have one filter. We only have one vantage point. And there's so many other ways to look at obstacles. So when you have new perspective, that is the most valuable asset of a mastermind is the varying perspectives. But the thing that's important is, is that you have to be in a group where you're aligned. And if your core values or your worldview is radically different, you're never going to reach a place that you feel Mm. safe. So you have to go to a place where those values align and your worldview aligns. You can have diversity, you can have differences of opinion, but at the core foundation, we've got to have these core values to align. And so I just went in and I said, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to unrobe metaphorically and I'm going to share them everything that I'm doing. Jim, think about it for a second. If you and Shanna were planning to maybe buy a vacation home, for example, And you were to come to me at this stage in our relationship and ask me, did I think it was a good deal or a good idea? I would presume that you're successful and say, yeah, sure. But the truth is, I don't know your history. I don't know your family. Well, I know you've got three sons and a granddaughter and, uh, but I don't know really who they are. I don't know anything about them. I don't know your propensity. Mm -hmm. I don't know your vision. I don't know your Achilles heel. I don't know your blind spots. I don't know your weakness, your superpowers. I don't know your financial data. I assume it's pretty good, but I don't know how in the world can I give you good advice? But see, when you surround yourself with these people that I'm referring to week after week, month after month, they know that, and they're able to make it applicable to your situation. Hmm. So I'll never be without a mastermind group. It has poured gasoline on everything that we've done because I've got 10 competent, capable people giving me great advice. Scripture teaches us that there's counsel in the multitude and there's safety there. When you're in isolation and you're trying to make these decisions on your own, you can only run it through your personal filter. But I have been saved so many times in so many situations in life by getting the feedback. And then there's huge other benefits like accountability, helping me create a vision, walking alongside me, holding my arms up when I'm tired, networking, giving resources, giving solid feedback. I just don't know why anyone would ever want to do life in isolation when there's so many beneficial benefits to being in a mastermind or a peer advisory group. So talk to me about the difference between a mastermind group and let's say a church small group of men, how are, how are they different? So yeah. both align and vision, 
I'm just, I've never been in a mastermind group. So I'm trying to understand the difference. I'm sure. assuming that you're in a mastermind group and then a, a small group of some kind, but maybe not. How are they different? Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll use you as an example. So you've been in a lot of men's groups, right? Let's just think about one men's group that you're in right now. Uh, are you completely vulnerable with them? D do you go in when you and Shanna is uh, dealing with a hard situation? Do you really come forth? Think about your sons. You know, if you're having trouble with James in some situation and you're a little bit embarrassed because you don't really want your buddies to know about that situation, or maybe Darby is facing, uh, you know, occupational change and you're trying to give him advice. Are you willing to share struggles that he's going through or Colton or any of your other, you know, family members, uh, do they know your finances? Think about that for a second. There's not many church members that are willing to go to other church members in a casual setting and say, yeah, I've got a $6 million net worth and I'm making $300,000 a year. And I've got a million seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage and we've got only 400,000. And I mean, do you do that? I'm asking you, do you do that? With the goal, the goal would be to do that. The goal would, with but any small you? group in the church, I do not because I'm usually leading the group. Okay. Is that the yeah, difference the between problem. leading the group? And yeah, and, that's the, yeah. All right. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So I'm very involved in leadership at our church at the highest level and have been my entire career. Very involved. Love my church. Got a great church. My pastor sat right there in this chair in my office two years ago. And I said, Hey, I have a question for you. He said, okay. I said, I've been in church my entire life. Like when my mom was pregnant, I was in church. Okay. So I've been going 62 years. I've taught Sunday school, chairman of the deacon, led the benevolence, led the financial. I've led everything at church. Okay. And I said, been in every Sunday school class known to man. And I said, no one's ever asked me one time, are you saving for retirement? Are you coming oh. home at five o'clock? Are you making your children mind? Or are you looking at pornography? I said, why has no church ever asked me that question? He said, big A, everybody calls me big A. He said, big A, I don't know. I said, here's what I want to do. I want to take the iron sharpens iron product that we've created. And I want to overlay it onto our deacons. He said, what? I said, I want to bring it in. We have a hundred deacons and I want to do with this framework in our church. He said, you really think that'll work? I said, just give me a beta test. Just let me do it with three groups. And so I took 30 men, 12 weeks, three different facilitators. And we met every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. We asked these very pointed questions. We did a significant scorecard. It's where you literally share your finances. We have accountability questions that we ask each and every week, very direct pointed questions. So I had three men in the group I led that had been in our church for 30 years. And they said at the end of the 12 week period, we know more about each other in 12 weeks than we've learned in 30 years. Oh. We stopped the group. Here's going to be the real kicker. We stopped the group. They elected to keep meeting and they are continuing to meet every Wednesday morning at six o'clock. Now you can't even get deacons to a deacon's meeting. Now we can't get them to stop. You know why? <laughs> you know why, Jim? We met them where they were at. Mm-hmm. So what we've done now is on this, we have man in the middle. So you're able to come and share all these situations with your family. 
with your finances. We know exactly what it is that you're doing. It's not like, I assume he's doing good. No, we know if he's doing good or not, because he shared this with us. They're able to share situations they're having with their adult children. They've got crisis going on at their workplace. Nobody ever asked those questions. And so therefore the church is radically diminishing because we're not meeting people where they're at. You know what we're inclined to do? Let's get more people in here. It doesn't matter about how deep we go. If we're meeting them at this vulnerable, authentic, transparent place, it's like, Hey, we just want to get people in here. We want to build bigger churches and have more people. It's all about numbers, butts and seats. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, that's not what it's about. It's about us. We are the people, right? We used to have a pastor and he and I fought all the time. He was a great guy. loved him. He was one of my mentors, but he would always say, it's not about you. It's about the people to come. I say, well, some of it is about me. Yeah. I've got to leave my family. I've got to get shored up myself. I've got to get on a good page so I can go out and do ministry. Well, you know what we've done? We have elected to adopt this program for our entire deacon body probably will take it into the whole church. We have about 7,000 members. Now I've got churches reaching out to me saying, Hey, I'm raising my hand. Like we're interested in doing this program. Would you teach us to do this? It's just the framework that we've created that is allowing people to be vulnerable, to be safe. Confidentiality is paramount. We don't discuss anything. We don't record the calls. We don't do any of those things. I created a product called the mastermind playbook where I teach people to do exactly what I'm talking about. And people all over the world are adopting this program because it's simple questions. It's very direct. There's accountability. We give people the freedom to share the trials and troubles that they're dealing with. We help them create a vision. I wrote a program called come as you will be where you develop in five areas of your life, personally, professionally, relationally, spiritually, and physically, you pick aspirational goals. We help you reverse engineer that. And you sit down and say, these are the tasks I've got to do in order to accomplish this goal in a 36 month period. Every week we have accountability that we lay on top of that so that we can track you and see where you're going. We have very, very, very successful entrepreneurs, many of them in our organization that is taking their life, their business, their spirituality to new heights because it's regimented. There's a methodical system that we're going by that we're doing. It's not just show up, take care of the widows and the orphans and pray for the people. It's like, okay, pragmatically, what am I supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. we've outlined that and it's really taken our men. Well, That's you like, know, it's really interesting. I think that's the quest for a significance and living a life that impacts others, living a life as your best version. I think that may be the greatest unspoken need of a man. He just doesn't talk about it. And I thought it was really interesting. You called it a significance scorecard. Now I'm assuming I shouldn't yeah. assume here. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, but then I'm going to ask a question that that scorecard yeah ask questions in specific areas and those specific areas are the questions every week. So the five areas, but you talked about, you talked about asking critical questions. How many questions go into those areas? Yes. You rank yourself every single week in those five areas, personally, professionally, relationally, uh, financially, and physically. Every single week we see if it's red or if it's green or if it's yellow, like, is it stopped? Is it paused or is you moving forward? And then 
very specific three or four questions in each category as it relates to that category, how you're progressing. See, what I found out about myself when I was 40 years old, that my whole focus was on my well-being. And I'm embarrassed to admit that publicly, yeah. but it's true. It was about, I need to make more money. I need to put more money in retirement. I need to have, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I started thinking one day and I thought, there's nothing wrong with being successful. I want everybody listening to be, to be successful, right? We got to make money. I hate it when people with money go, money's not important. I want to go, you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. And I hate it when the church says that to me, they say, oh, don't put so much emphasis on making money. I said, well, how come I get one of those little letters for a private dinner every time we build a new building? <laughs> it's important now, isn't it? And they're like, well, yeah, you got a point. I said, well, just say that it's okay. It's okay. Like money is a good tool. My friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin wrote, thou shalt prosper. And he talks about in there, the exchange, and you should be compensated well for the value that you're adding, right? We need it. We love to have a nice house, vacations, cars, giving money away, charitable organizations given to our church, broke people can't do that. Mm. And so we need to learn to make money, but here's where I missed it, Jim. I missed it on the significance piece and the significance was it's when it's about others, uh, right? I started feeling guilty about that. I said, man, 95% of my focus is amassing this fortune and I'm not focused out really listening to Jim Ramos's heart and saying, Jim, what is it you need? Like, how can I further your cause? Like, what is it that I can do from a connection standpoint? Like, is there something that we could uh, have synergy on that maybe I could share what you're doing with my audience? Like, how can we, you know, compile our efforts and really help each other grow? And it's just a matter of connection. Uh, I'm a super connector. I connect people all over the world all the time. It's one of my biggest delights in life, being able to promote and help and support and edify what you've got going on. That's the piece I was missing. And that wreck, mm. unfortunately, highlighted the brevity of life because mm -hmm. we're one phone call away. We're one wreck away. Yeah. We're one whatever away from it being over for us. And I thought, man, my sister, Julie, we buried her uh, January 17th, my 64-year-old sister, perfect health, went to the doctor, stomach hurt, and found out pancreatic cancer. Eight months later, we buried her. So we never know, right. When we're going to be confronted with that yeah. and I don't want to squander it. I want to maximize my life. I want to do everything that God called me to do. Like, I don't want it mediocrity. Like I don't want average, right. I brought home a C on my report card. One time my mom said never again. I said, it's average. And she goes, yes, yeah, just as close to the bottom as it is the top. You're above average. You can do better. And that's the way I want to live my personal life, my Christian life. I want to rock it. I want to go out of here redlining with balance, with boundaries, but I want to do my best. Listen, this is not a trial run. This is our life right now today. Mm -hmm. The decisions that we make today is going to forever affect your family one way or the other. And the ripple effect that I want to leave is uh, a tide, not a ripple. And uh, we can't do it accidentally. We got to be very intentional. Yeah, I really appreciate that uh, significance piece. You know, on your website, you said, how do you define business success? But, the, but, but that's not what I thought was really cool. What you said after that was, it is not money. So we, we realize there is value in money, but I want you to go sure. back and, and tell us again, you just did it, but I want to tell you it again, 
what how would you define a life that is lived that is successful yeah yeah i think we all can de define success for ourselves that's the reason i wrote the book view from the top is that we all have different definitions of success right if I were just looking at a pragmatic way of how I define success for me personally, and this is a very elementary example, I like to control my calendar, right? Uh -huh. I don't want to have to punch a clock or do things like I've been self-employed now for 44 years and um, never worked for anybody since I was 18 years old. And so there's a measure of success in that just from a pragmatic standpoint, but significance for me was a little harder to define. I had to start thinking through that. And I teach this all the time in our mastermind. I teach people how to reach out intentionally to do certain things, checking on people, making phone calls when you don't need anything, endorsing products before they ask, doing short text messages and videos. I do this every day. It's a practice of my life, checking on people. And fortunately, you know, I've built up quite of a lot of contacts over the years. And so I don't wait till something happens. You know, I don't wait till I need something. I call people and check on them. What is it that I can do? What is it that you're working on? Right. It's they're like, man, he didn't ask me for something. And I very intentionally don't ask for anything because I want them to know I'm really interested in their success. Well, then when it is your turn, it's not a problem to get people to help you right? Cause you've done the reps. People mm -hmm. ask me all the time, Hey, invest, you know, in, in uh, introduce me to Dave Ramsey. And my answer is no, I'm not going to do that. Cause you just want something like I've spent 30 years building that relationship up. Mm -hmm. Like you start promoting entree leadership, promoting Dave, reading his books. And you then go say, Hey, I'd love to have an opportunity to chat with you or speak with you or something, right? We got to do the reps. We got to do the work. Mm -hmm. It's not all about us. It's about other people. And here's what's funny. As a result of that mindset, we get in front of 10 times more people than we're even attempting to because the natural reciprocity, people want then to help you. They want to introduce you, but people can sniff it out a mile away when you're using them, right? When you just call them, you're trying to get something. People call you and go, hey, Big A, how's it going? Good, good. Hey, while I've got you, let me ask you a question. I said, that's why you called me. You didn't call me to check on me. You called me to borrow my chainsaw. I love it when people call me just praying for you. How's your mom? How's Robin? You doing okay? Anything I can do for you, period. And I'm like, man, that makes an indelible impression. So mm -hmm. if you're listening to me today, take some time to invest in other people. The benefits from that are exponentially greater than anything you could ever imagine. Yeah. It, the life that invests in others. I think that's the key phrase, right? That if you want to live a life as significant, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, a legacy, something that lives on after you, it comes through an investment, right? And so a relational legacy would come through an investment in people. You know, it's interesting though, because most people aren't serial entrepreneurs. Most of these guys, especially listening to this podcast, are going to work, they're clocking in, they're clocking out, they're doing the best they can. How does a guy know that he's being an asset to those who love him and depend on him. Yeah. Well, you said one thing that I vehemently disagree with. Uh, I think that we all could level up and do far greater than we're doing. First of all, I think that if we strategically 
position our gifts and talents that God has created us. If we stay in our zone of genius, not in our lane of competence, if we really do what God gifted us to do, we can do things far greater, far faster, enjoy it far more. It gives you energy when you do it. I don't, we do the work to find out what that is. So we get up, we go to a job we hate. We can't wait for Friday to get here. Uh, and then we get up and we go do it again the following Monday. Life is just way, way too short. Okay. To okay. That. But I'm hold gonna on do the work to figure out what that is and then make a plan strategically to get in my zone of genius. So I'm trying to understand you vehemently disagree with the statement that most guys are going to work and clocking in and clocking out or that most no, guys are capable you said more. That they're doing all they can do. You said they're doing all they can do. Oh, what I meant was they're in the stress bubble of life and they're maxed out. That's what I'm talking about. These guys are maxed out yeah. in their stress bubble. They're raising a family. Yeah. They're trying to love their wife, serving their community. And these guys are, they're maxed yeah. out with their time they're, They have yeah. very little margin. Yeah. yeah. The thing that's the problem is we are maxed out. We've leveraged and bought things that we shouldn't, first of all. And mm -hmm. now we got golden yeah. handcuffs. We have to go do this thing that we hate because we've got to pay for this thing that we maybe shouldn't have bought to begin with. And I know I'm touching some nerves here, but uh, we got to face the reality of what it is that we're dealing with and totally. then reverse engineer it. Right. And so some things need to go, right? There's some assets that we've got that we need to let go of. So we've got to prioritize our priorities first and foremost, right? We've got to decide what's really important, right? And I know I'm touching some nerves. I'm speaking to myself too, but there's some country club memberships and there's some bass boats and there's some deer rifles and there's some golf clubs and there's <laughs> yep. some things that we need to let go of. Here's well, what someone we say all the time. Someone once yeah, said, someone I know kicked <laughs> off his show. <laughs> no, that's I'm laughing because I'm thinking about a couple guys right now. Not me. I own all my guns, but someone, I, 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 someone, I don't, you might know who this is said, live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. Mm, and so mm, a lot of us are caught in what, familiar. what Switchfoot called our Lexus cages. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I really, I agree yeah. that hundred percent. I think our, especially in America, we are completely yeah. maxed out, right? We, we don't create yeah. margins and boundaries. And I think, I think when go. I'm, when we're processing this thing of significance, it's very hard for us to live a life that will really leave a positive legacy or be significant. I think that needs to be a life that lives on without beyond us, right? Whether it's yeah. through our children, yeah. we're passing something on, uh, to others that are, are close to us. It's yeah, really difficult yeah. to do that when we have no margin to give to other we people. We can create margin though. That's my whole point. And I want to finish my rant. <laughs> I yeah. didn't finish no, I agree it with all you. out, but, but he, he, here's the thing is that Roy Baden wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. Roy lives here in Nashville. He's a friend of mine, and I suggest reading it. I, this is not a, this, I guess it is a plug for his book. It's a great book, but it talks about really determining what's important. Now, where I get really tired of guys saying all the time, all oh, my family's most important. They go to work before the kids get up, they come home right at supper, they eat, 
they kiss the kids, they put them in bed, they go right back to work. And yep. then their wife wonders why they don't have any quality time. I want to tell you something. I, if you don't hear anything else I've said in this interview, I want you to hear this. When you come home and that little boy wants to go outside and pitch baseball with you, you need to go outside and pitch baseball with that little boy. I don't care what you've got going on because your time is limited with those kids. You only have them for about 16, 17 years. They get their license. Mm -hmm. They're gone. You can make more money. You can start more companies. You can do all that. That has no memory. Those kids, the relationship that you're building with those kids right now are going to live on for eternity. And you're affecting the family tree. And mm -hmm. I want to tell you, if you're going to cheat somebody, cheat the office, cheat that email you think you've got to write. If that little girl wants you to come watch her at ballerina practice, you need to take her because like, they're going to be gone in a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. My oldest girl's 40. My youngest girl's 37. I have five grandchildren. And if I could go back and rewind the clock, like I've started 14 companies, I've done all that. It's a lot of hard work to do all those things. I would build even stronger boundaries around my family. I would. I hear guys mm -hmm. say this every day. My family's mm -hmm. most important to me. And they don't spend 30 minutes a day of quality time with their family. And they wonder why they come home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers is because they're not investing the energy and the effort in that relationship. My number one core value is relationships matter most. And I can show you with my checkbook and my calendar that to be true. But when I ask most guys about that question, 95% of their awakening hours are trying to make money to buy things, to appease their family, to show that they're doing a good job. And when their kids grow up, I'm telling you, when they grow up and they go to college, You've got time now and they don't and yeah. you're never going to have that lasting relationship with those kids. So please, please go home and do an evaluation of your time and see if your actions are aligning with what you're saying. Yeah, that's really good, man. I wrote a whole bunch of notes down here. One of the things that hit me was Maxwell's John Maxwell's definition of success is that those who know me the most, the best respect me the most. And so we can have all of this stuff in our calendar for relationships, but if our family doesn't acknowledge that, right? I have a, a quote I like to say, what you put to the grindstone will be remembered on your tombstone. So whatever you're doing yeah. on the grindstone, you know, re realize those people who are going to be mourning at your deathbed, you know, they aren't going to be the yeah. people that you worked with. And there's a Lee Iacocca quote somewhere yeah. in there. So yeah, that's one of the things that, is important. And I, I wrote a book called strong men, dangerous times. It was an Amazon number one bestseller. And in that we talk about finishing strong. And what we believe is the way you finish life strong is to finish every day strong. And so for these guys who have children in the home and they're living in the bubble, they have to realize that six to nine is where their significance is going to be built six to nine mm -hmm. at night when they're with their yeah. kids because that's when it matters most. So I, I agree with you hundred percent. I just, this is a uh, really, really good stuff. What else would you tell these guys that they're listening going, man, Give I, I heard I, a, yeah. <laughs> I heard a stat uh, the other day that really, really disturbed me. It said that young girls that have premarital sex, there's a statistic that shows those girls as a rule, didn't eat dinner with their family. Mm-hmm. There's a huge statistic out that says they just want to be heard and they can do that at the dinner table. 
right? My wife had a rule, like we all eat together. We eat at the same time every night. There's no electronics, right? Stolen Focus is a book that every man on this call should be reading. Johan Hare wrote the book and it's called Stolen Focus. It's what technology is doing to our children. Mm -hmm. And it is very, very disturbing. So you need to build boundaries on that. This is kind of a funny story. Again, I pull stories, but my mom had hip replacement surgery a couple of weeks ago when we were at the hospital. She had her eyes closed after the surgery. The nurse came in. I knew the nurse and we were standing there talking and um, he was telling me about the hardship he was having with social media at his house. And uh, he said, I just can't get my kids off of social media. And my mom's eyes were closed. I thought she was asleep. And she said, who's the parent in the house? Absolutely. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like we're having like, what happened? <laughs> my mom's favorite Bible verse was spare the rod and spoil the child. You know, my mom believed in discipline and she believed in the parents. My mom would always say, you're going to respect me out of love or fear. You take your pick. Yep. And, and we don't have that mentality <laughs> anymore. God no. gave us right. Those kids to be the parent. And so you need to build the boundaries. You need to do the right thing. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing. And I want to encourage you to read the book, Stolen Focus, first of all, and then sit down and build some boundaries for those kids. So, uh, you know, my kids, you said success earlier, it reminded me of something that we would always go. We had a condo in the mountains in Gatlinburg. We would go up there and we would spend a week after Christmas and my kids were little and I would say, hey, be honest with me. T tell, tell me where dad can do better. You're not going to get in trouble. Tell me where I did good, right? And even as they get older, you know, I ask these questions. And uh, the thing that's meant the most to me is my daughter saying, you were always available. Like mm. if my phone rang, I would answer the call. If they came, somebody came in my business, my girls called, I'm available. So many times, like I got up and left a staff meeting at our church and uh, the pastor said, couldn't that wait it? And I said, no, that was Robin. And quite honestly, she's more important than this meeting. Yep. We have to make our family feel that they're the most important. You know what? Because they are. And the only way we demonstrate that is through actions. It's not what you say. It's what you do. Yeah, that's, I want to reiterate that. The only way you demonstrate that is through actions. Hey, guys, another great book is Brad Huddleston's book, Digital Cocaine. We had Brad on about a year ago. That is an outstanding book. You are the parent. You are the parent. Holy cow. <laughs> so let's go back to this uh, uh, tragic moment in your life in 2001. When a man experiences tragedy, how should he or how would you recommend that he pivots from that to mm. regain focus to get back on track? Yeah, I don't know that there's an easy descriptive written process and system for that. Right. Cause mm -hmm. every situation is, is different. Uh, for me, it was a very pivotal moment because, uh, everything was unbelievable in my life. I was working yeah. three days a week and like my life was like pinch me. Like, like, I can't believe this is my life. And then even in my book view from the top, I titled that chapter blindsided. Like this came mm. out of nowhere. Right. I never saw it coming. It happened just in a nanosecond. 
I'm so thankful that I had spent the time building relationships. I don't know where I would have been without these intimate relationships that I had built. A lot of people say, well, I'm doing good. Like business is good. Family's good. Well, it doesn't mean it's always going to be good. And it's too late to build those intimate relationships when you're in the tragedy. So what you need to be doing while things are good is building these intimate relationships. I can tell you from 62 years of experience, life is a roller coaster. There's some low, low lows, and there's some high highs, and you need to be building these relationships along the way. So what happened for me, and I, I'm transparent, so I'll just share it with you. I struggled really, really bad the first year or two. I mean, it was bad. Like It wasn't my fault. I was, for those that are interested in the details, his name was Enrique. He couldn't see good. He just didn't see me. He was 77 years old. He was running across a four-lane highway to catch a bus. And he just didn't see me. And uh, so I still, though, felt so bad. I'm like, this is somebody's husband, somebody's dad, somebody's yeah, brother, yeah. you know? And I'm like, man, I was just so hard. I kept second guessing myself. What if I had turned left instead of right, taken the interstate? You know what? And somebody brought to my attention, they said, yeah, you could have hit a school bus and killed 100 kids. I mean, you just can't do that. When you're in a situation, you just got to own it. It is what it is. Yeah. And so for me, it all goes back to you don't get over it. God gives you the grace to deal with it. And that's that way in every area of our life. It's like, nobody could ever say I get over killing a pedestrian. I mean, you know, it just, you yeah. just don't do that, but man, in God's glory and his mercy and his grace, he gives you the ability to cope. And so what Robin did one day, again, second time, she got me up from a nap and she goes, listen, here you are, man, you're falling back into this. You gained 50 or 60 pounds again. And like, you got to get up. Like our kids are counting on you. You're going to have grandkids. They're going to be counting on you. And you got to pick yourself up. Some of your audience may know uh, this person when I call him by name, but another reason to have a mastermind group, James Rowell. Mm. Uh, was a promise keeper speaker and he was in prison years ago. He's the best storyteller I've ever heard in my entire life. He was in our mastermind group with Dave Ramsey. He lived here in Nashville and uh, it was a Saturday morning about, I guess, a year into this process. And uh, I get a phone call from James Ryle and I looked down at my phone. I was in Ace Hardware in Hendersonville where I live just North of Nashville and I thought immediately, this is going to be really bad or really good. And the reason I felt that it was on a Saturday, we never bothered each other on the weekends. We only talked through the week. We met on Wednesdays. And as I answered the phone and it was James and he said, Hey, big A, he said, you got a minute? And I said, yeah. I said, hold on. Let me go out in the parking lot. Went out in the parking lot. I'm listening on the phone and I'm kind of excited because it's James Ryle and he's always got these great stories. And I'm like, I'm kind of excited. He said, I was reading this morning and God gave me a word for you. And I said, man, this is going to be prophetic. That's what I was thinking. And he said, uh, you're wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. <laughs> oh, man. And I laughed like you just did. And I said, excuse me? And he goes, you're wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. And I said, James, is, is this a joke? He goes, no, I'm not joking at all. He said, I want to read you something. And he read Isaiah where it says, take the chains from around your neck and move on. He said, mm -hmm. it's time you were moving on. I'll see you. I got to go. 
and hung up. Whoa. See, I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over this thing. And every Wednesday I would talk about it. I would share my struggles. I was so mad. I could bite a nail in two. I said, he's ruined my Saturday. He's pissed me off. Like, I don't even know what I came up here for. I got in the truck and I drove home. And the more I thought about it, the matter I got. And then mm. it dawned on me. He loves me enough to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see, it's only because we had invested years and years in the mastermind group that he was able to say that to me. So Wednesday morning, I showed up. I walked around. I'm a big guy. Uh, Jim, you've never met me in person. I'm I was going to ask you. Okay. They call you big I'm Al. A big but guy. You look, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm a big guy. I'm six, three, two thirty. I'm a big guy. Well, James Ryle is about five, seven, about a buck and a half. And so I walk around the conference table and he told me later, he said, I was getting ready for my ass to be kicked. He said, I was ready. <laughs> and I leaned down and I hugged him tears running down my face. And I said, thank you. And it was the very moment that allowed me to pivot. You know why? Because somebody that had known me for years, somebody that loved me, somebody that had walked with me through wins, through other challenges, had the privilege to be able to say that to me because he knew me. He was invested. That's another reason that I want people to be in these groups long-term, not jump in a mastermind, suck them for all they're worth, go to the next mastermind. You need to build these relationships so somebody can tell you, hey, you got to get up. You got to shake it off. You got to move on. Honestly, it saved my life. If I hadn't had been around guys like that, I probably would still be in a fetal position under my desk trying to figure out how I'm going to pick myself up. Yeah. See, God didn't design us to walk alone. God designed us to walk with other people. That is so powerful. Well, you know, I'm going back to something you said about 10 minutes ago that we prepare for that moment where we are forced to pivot because we've had an unexpected car wreck. We prepare by connecting with other relationships. So when that does happen, we aren't alone and isolated. And I, that's very powerful to me because a lot of people live their lives as perennial victims. And one of the reasons why they're victims is they've never connected with another person outside of wanting something. And so you're saying to get involved in the community, a community that is mutually inclusive where you're pouring into each other for when that day, if it ever does come. And and I think you and I could both agree the train wreck is coming, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, we're living life. Hits everybody at some point, right? It just happens. We're not going to escape it. Things are going to happen. And think about yourself. If you're listening to us right now, who are your 10 guys? Like who's helping you make decisions? Who's going to walk alongside you? Who's going to tell you you're wearing this people to death? Get up. Let's move on. Who's going to loan you their courage? Who's going to hold your arms up? Who's going to help you? And if you can't answer that, please go find people and make this investment. There's so many practical ways that you can do this, but I promise you, if you'll invest the energy, the time, the rewards, the dividends will be huge. That's so good, man. I appreciate that. So, so we haven't, haven't gone here yet. So let's go there. How can our guys get involved uh, in your, your ministry and pick up your resources? What's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, I appreciate that. I wasn't expecting you to ask that, but uh, I'll answer it. Uh, The best way to contact us is go to our website, viewfromthetop.com. That's spelled with a V like Victor, viewfromthetop.com. All of our social media platforms are there. 
we're not high pressure folks at all. We don't like, you got to do it now or you're going to miss it. My answer to that's always, well, then I'm going to miss it. Right. We, we don't totally, do we, we talk to people that are in alignment, people that really want to move the needle. People are making long-term commitments. People are looking for a band of brothers. People are looking for quality people that align their core values that are going to help them excel in every area of their life. That's the kind of tribe that we've built. Mm. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, well, I would love an opportunity to talk to you. There's an application on our site. You can fill out. You're not committing to anything. It's just a conversation with me. And then we'll sit down. We'll see where you're at. We'll see if you're a good fit and if we can help you. And then you can be a part of that brotherhood. So we'd love for you to reach out. So I went to your website and looked around for quite a bit yesterday. And it looks like view from the top is this umbrella that encompasses these 15 correct. mastermind groups. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, we have view from the top is the parent company. We have iron sharpens iron as a mastermind. We do live events and we have coaching program. And so any way that we can help you in any way, yeah, we're happy to. So, And I sure appreciate that, Aaron, AKA big a, Hey man, thanks there so much go. for coming on the show. Take your it time to fun. share your wisdom experience and to share, you know, it's a bold move when a guy shares his, um, a tragic mm. moment that forces a pivot. So I really do appreciate uh, your vulnerability. Mm. And I, I know there are guys out there that are really resonating and they're ready to go to the next level. So thanks so much guys. Hey guys, let's get our boots on the ground. What's next. What's the next step. What are you going to do because of what you heard today? And here's, I, I I've been really inspired to ask you this question, guys. I want you to find somebody who wants you to win and ask them to tell you the truth about you and see what happens. They need to be somebody who wants you to win, but ask them to tell you the truth and see what happens and go out there guys and become your best version guys. While you're out there, go to my website, manarena.org, pick up your free copy of my book, tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters and sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by hitting the join the program button until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.